Good evening. Good to see each one of you back. Great crowd for the evening service tonight. Would you stand, please? Turn to page 692. Page 692. Won't it be a wonderful day when we're all in heaven? Amen. Let's sing about it. Page 692. All four verses when we all get to heaven. Sing the wondrous love of Jesus. Sing His mercy and His grace. In the mansions bright and blessed, He'll prepare for us a place. When we all get to heaven, what a day of rejoicing that will be. When we all see Jesus, we'll sing and shout the victory. While we walk the pilgrim pathway, clouds will overspread the sky. But when traveling days are over, not a shadow, not a sigh. When we all get to heaven, what a day of rejoicing that will be. When we all see Jesus, us will sing and shout the victory. Let us then be true and faithful, trusting, serving every day. Just one glimpse of Him in glory will the toils of life repay. When we all get to heaven, what a day of rejoicing that will be. When we all see Jesus, we'll sing and shout the victory. Onward to the prize before us, soon His beauty will behold. Soon the pearly gates will open, we shall tread the streets of gold. When we all get to heaven what a day of rejoicing that will be when we all see jesus we'll sing and shout the victory amen great star preacher amen what a blessing well it's sure good to be in god's house again tonight amen and uh what a blessing this morning uh was and man what a great group uh here tonight and so let's go Let's go to the Lord in prayer tonight and ask God's blessing on our services. I'm going to ask Brother Gary Clark if you would pray for us tonight. Amen. Won't you be seated uh, tonight? I did just want to mention a few uh, things that are coming up here to finish out uh, the month of October. Of course, next Saturday, October the 21st, uh, will be our churchwide uh, outreach. And so again, that'll be at 1030 in the morning and that'll be over uh, in the fellowship hall. We'll be meeting and heading out. And so I want to encourage you to be here uh, for that. It's just been a real blessing to see uh, the different visitors and things like that the Lord has blessed us with, and we certainly want to continue that, amen, and preaching the gospel and uh, reaching uh, folks uh, with the message of Christ. I uh, did also want to mention this, which is October the 24th, and uh, that is uh, on a Tuesday, and that is the ladies' meeting, and that will also will be at 7 o'clock in the evening over in the fellowship hall. And so, ladies, you're asked to bring... Uh, finger foods as well as a lady's birthday gift, whatever that means, amen, and so did want to uh, pass that message uh, along. October the 27th, which is on a Friday, will be uh, the harvest uh, party, and that'll be over in the E.J. Watson 
uh, gymnasium. And so if you have kids in school, that'll be from 1 to 3 uh, p.m. And then, of course, it'll be church-wide uh, and open up uh, from 7 o'clock until 9 o'clock uh, in the evening. And for those that may not be familiar uh, with that, uh, we, we, don't, we don't do Halloween Amen. Uh, but we do uh, certainly want to provide something uh, for the kids and things like that. And so we have some bouncy houses and different games and, and things like that. And what we have found a lot of times is that people will come to things uh, like that, uh, maybe uh, to kind of be a gateway for them to be around church people and to invite them uh, to church. We give out tracts, we witness to them and talk with them and things like that. And so I want to invite you to be a part of that. We do need helpers and, and things like that. But then also there is a uh, barrel out in the outer uh, foyer where we ask folks to bring in uh, individually wrapped uh, candies and things like that so that we can give out uh, to the kids. We joke about filling them up with sugar and sending them home with mom and dad. A little bit of truth to that. Amen. Uh, but more than anything, we just want to be a blessing to families. We do want to certainly witness to them and talk with them about the things of the Lord. And so if you'd like to help us out with that, there's some sign-up sheets out there as well for that. Uh, we certainly can use folks to kind of keep an eye on bouncy houses and, you know, making sure 1,700 kids don't pile into one bouncy house. Amen. That's always a blessing. 1,500 is fine, but not sitting okay. But you, you get the idea. And so, uh, but looking forward to uh, being a blessing to our community. And then, of course, October the 29th, which is on a Sunday uh, after the evening service, there'll be a linger longer over in the fellowship hall, and it's also the teen chili cook-off, and so there'll be some chili and things like that. If you'd like to bring finger foods that kind of go along uh, with that, and uh, we'll look forward to having some fellowship. Amen. Okay, Brother Eric. Well, let's remain seated, but let's turn to page 679. Page 679, shall we gather at the river? Let's sing all four verses together tonight, page 679. Shall we gather at the river where bright angel feet have trod with its crystal ever flowing from the throne of God? Yes, we'll gather at the river, the beautiful, beautiful river. Gather with the saints at the river that flows by the throne of God. On the margin of the river, washing up its silver spray, we will walk and worship ever all the happy golden day. Yes, we'll gather at the river, the beautiful, beautiful river. Gather with the saints at the river that flows by the throne of God. Ere we reach the shining river, lay we every burden down. Grace our spirit will deliver and provide our robe and crown. Yes, we'll gather at the river, the beautiful, beautiful river. Gather with the saints at the river that flows by the throne of God. Soon we'll reach the shining river, soon our pilgrimage will cease, soon our happy hearts will quiver with the melody of peace. Yes, we'll gather at the river, the beautiful, beautiful river. Gather with the saints at the river that flows by the throne of God. Amen. Well, it's been a great day in the Lord's house, hasn't it? A great last week. My goodness, our hearts are overflowing with everything God's done for us. Now we get a chance to give back to him. Amen. Let's go ahead and pray tonight. Ask Ethan Whitney if you'd pray for the offering tonight, please. Amen.
Interviewing one last time. Let's turn to page 671. Page number 671, face to face with Christ my Savior. What a day that will be. Amen. Let's sing about it tonight. Page 671. Face to face with Christ my Savior. Face to face, what will it be? When with rapture I behold him, Jesus Christ, to die for me. Face to face I shall behold him far beyond the starry sky. Face to face in all his glory I shall see him by and by. Only faintly now I see him with the darkened veil between. But a blessed day is coming when his glory shall be seen. Face to face I shall behold him far beyond the starry sky. Face to face in all his glory I shall see him by and by. What rejoicing in his presence when our banished grief and pain, when the crooked ways are straightened and the dark things shall be plain. Face to face I shall behold him far beyond the starry sky. Face to face in all his glory I shall see him by and by. Face to face, oh blissful moment, face to face to see and know, face to face with my Redeemer, Jesus Christ, who loves me so, face to face I shall behold Him far beyond the starry sky. Face to face in all his glory, I shall see him by and by. As you're seated tonight, turn to someone beside you and say, it's good to see you in church tonight, amen. And then have a seat and we will have a We'll have a special now from the ensemble. It's entitled, We Preach Christ.
messages about that this morning and, and this week, amen, and uh, I'm telling you, that's, that's exactly what we need to continue to do, amen. Well, uh, good to see you tonight, hope you're awake and alive, and uh, okay, I guess not, not, it's, not, it's not sounding too good, all right, so I did, uh, <clears throat> I'm tell, I made a, uh, bought a little inexpensive espresso machine and uh, I made a, I made like a quad shot, which is normally what I make. It's like four th- uh, es- things of espresso. And I asked Natalie, I was like, you want your, you know, I usually do one for her and one. She goes, no. So I did the whole thing for myself. So, but, but I, I, I drank about half of it and then I poured it out because I thought these people can't handle this tonight. <laughs> so, and then I, and then I, then I started thinking the truth is I couldn't handle this stuff. Amen. I, listen, I got to sleep tonight. Amen. Uh, what a blessing. Well, take your Bibles tonight and turn with me to 1 Samuel in chapter number 2. The book of 1 Samuel in, in chapter number 2. And, and why don't we stand, if you're able to stand, in honor of God's Word. And we are going to continue tonight with our study on the kings uh, and the prophets. Of course, if you uh, remember, uh, the last two paragraphs that we've kind of looked at, really sections of, of Scripture, have been contrast been contrast between the sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas, but then also the son of Elkanah and Hannah, which is Samuel. And the reason is to show really why Samuel is going to become the last judge of Israel, but also the first prophet. And here's why. It's because Samuel cherished his heritage. When Eli or when, when Hophni and Phineas rejected theirs, it's also because Samuel was humble and would receive correction when the sons of Eli would not. But tonight, you and I are going to see how God is going to deal with really the root of the issue at hand when dealing with Hophni and Phineas, and that's ultimately this Eli, their father. So verse number 27 tonight, <coughs> excuse me, the Bible says this, There was a man of God, there, was, there came a man of God unto Eli, and said unto him, Thus saith the Lord, Did I plainly appear unto the house of thy father when, there, when they were in Egypt in Pharaoh's house? And did I choose him out of all the tribes of Israel to be 
my priest to offer upon mine altar, to burn incense, to wear an ephod before me? And did I give unto the house of thy father uh, all the offerings made by fire of the children of Israel? Wherefore kick ye at my sacrifice and mine offering, which I have commanded in my habitation? And honorest thy sons above me to make yourselves fat with the, chief, uh, with the chiefest of all the offerings of Israel, my people. Wherefore the Lord God of Israel saith, I said indeed that thy house, the house of thy father, should walk before me forever. But now the Lord saith, Be it far from me, for them that honor me I will honor, and they that despise me uh, shall be lightly esteemed. Behold, the days come that I will cut off thine arm, and the arm of, the fa- of thy father's house, that there shall not be an old man in thine house. And thou shalt see an enemy in my habitation, and all the wealth which God shall give Israel, and there shall not be an old man in thine house forever. And the man of thine, whom I shall not cut off from mine altar, shall be to consume thine eyes and to grieve thine heart, and all the increase of thine house shall die in the flower of their age. This shall be a sign unto thee, that shall come upon thy two sons on Hophni and Phinehas, and one day shall die both of them. And I will raise me up a faithful priest that shall do according to all, or shall, that shall according to, do according to that which is in mine heart and in my mind, And I will build him a sure house, and he shall walk before mine anointed forever. Now, who do you think that's talking about? This is partly talking about Samuel, but I'd also say this. It's talking about the Lord Jesus Christ. And notice it says, And it shall come to pass that everyone that is left in thine house shall come and crouch to him for a piece of silver and a morsel of bread, and shall say, Put me, I pray thee, into one of the priest's offices that I may eat a piece of bread. So if you remember in the last message, Eli attempted to correct his sons. What he really should have done was remove his sons, not just rebuke them. And so because of his passiveness, God sends a man of God to warn Eli that if he doesn't make some serious changes in his life, in ministry, Judgment is coming. Now let me tell you what Eli does with it. Nothing. He does nothing. So tonight we're going to see this, the warning for Eli. And as there is warnings here for him, I would say this, there's probably going to be some warnings here for you and me. But my advice would be this, that we don't respond to those things the same way that Eli does. Uh, you say, preacher, I'm, I'm just going to not make a decision. I'm going to ignore it. Let me help you with this. Ignoring it is still a decision. What, what I would say to you is this, is that it would greatly benefit us to heed the warnings and let God do a work in our lives. Father, would you bless the preaching now in Jesus' name. Amen. Why don't you be seated? Uh, tonight. On April 26, 1986, the worst worst nuclear power plant disaster took place in Ukraine at the Chernobyl nuclear power plant. And 31 people died during the disaster And the long-term effects of of cancers and deformities are still being accounted for even today. The death toll of the long-term effects are reaching towards the 4,000 mark thus far. The cause of the disaster was a series of tests that went wrong during a routine shutdown of one of the nuclear reactors. During the shutdown of Reactor 4, the operators were to maintain a certain thermal level, however, the levels begin to drop below normal. Now, this is what I want you to catch from this, this little illustration tonight. As the levels dropped, things begin to go, and things begin to go wrong, 
alarms and, and warning sign, warnings begin to, to sound off. However, with the desire to continue testing, the operators and the engineers had to ignore them. They bypassed the warnings and they continued on and eventually, boom. An explosion took place killing several people and again leaving after effects that would continue killing people even unto this day. The moral of the story is really two things. Number one is this. Man in his pride has a tendency to ignore the warnings thinking he has everything under control. And the second thing is this. When we do ignore the warnings, disaster always seems to follow. And such is the case of Eli in our text tonight. Now, before you and I get dive into this thing, I just I want to point out two things that, that are very key to, to understanding this. Now, number one is this. Look down at verse number 27 that begins the passage. And I want you to notice the man of God here. It says, There came a man of God unto Eli and said unto him, Thus saith the Lord. So the Bible tells us that this man of God is coming to Eli, and it doesn't even give him, give us his name, rather. And here's why. His name is not important. But the message, no doubt, is. It's interesting to note that this man of God, he, he opens up with this phrase, Thus saith the Lord. Now, now you understand this. That phrase right there lets us know that it's not his message, but rather God's message. You understand, this message, this phrase right here, is used over 3,800 times throughout the Old Testament. Listen to this. It is the most direct claim for the inspiration of the Word of God. You understand what that means? Inspiration means this, God breathed. This means this, that though the man of God was speaking, it was God that was breathing His words into and through this man to Eli the priest. Now, now let me tell you why all of this is important, alright? Because we have the complete and canonized Word of God today, alright? And here's what the Bible says, it is inspired, it is God breathed. It is like, it is like what Peter said, in 2 Peter 1.21, that holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. You understand? That means this, that God would take His men and use them to pin down His words, not their words. Maybe in fact, Paul would say this to Timothy in 2 Timothy 3.16 and 17. He would say this, All Scripture is given by inspiration of God. Meaning this, it is God-breathed. It is the Word of God, not men. It is not the words of men, but rather the words of God. And so because of that, it is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, truly furnished unto all good works. You understand? It's because it is God-breathed. It is inerrant, it is infallible, it is perfect, it is preserved. And what makes a real man of God today is not when he gives his slant on spiritual things or knows how to tell a good story, it's when he stands up and gives, thus saith the Lord. That, that's, that's when you have a real man of God on your hands. But here's also why this is important for us to understand. It's because when God speaks, His Word is always going to be carried out to the letter. The Bible shows us this. History proves this. I mean, listen, I, I certainly couldn't help but to think of the book of Daniel and how Daniel would, you, you know, one of the, one of the themes is, is this, that, that, that the Word of God is true. And then the reason that I say that is because Daniel would receive these prophecies about these coming empires of Persia and, and, and Greece and, and Alexander the Great and the four generals following him and, 
and, and Rome and, and, and that empire. Daniel would receive those things. And he was on that side of history and looking some four to seven hundred years ahead. But now you and I are on this side of history looking back. And what I would say to you is this. God's word is true. It always comes to, to pass. And the point is to say this. That if God is warning Eli with thus saith the Lord, his word, then it would pay for Eli to heed it. Well, why? Because God's word always comes to pass. And if it was true for Eli, well, then I would say to you, it's true for you and me also. The two reasons, well, at least the ones that I could certainly think of tonight as to why people would listen to the warnings of the Word of God but then ignore them or put them off, it's usually because of one of these. One, one are in our pride, we think this, well, that doesn't apply to us and somehow we're above the rules of things. Uh, it won't happen to us. So, somehow, somehow we're special. Let, let me help you with this tonight. You're not special. I'm not special. The, the Word of God applies to everybody. You, you understand, friend? It's not, listen, you and I are not above the rules tonight. And here's the other thing. And if it doesn't happen immediately, then it's not going to happen. Listen, if God said it's going to happen, then mark it down. It's going to happen. It's just a matter of time. And so you understand, you and I must grab a hold of this. The Word of God always comes to pass. Listen, man does reap what, what he sows. And so therefore, if we'll understand that, it's more than likely that we'll give in and heed to what God has to say to us. But here's the other thing tonight. Notice, not, not only notice the man of God, but let me also point out this that you and I need to understand this is the mercy of God right here. Let, let me say that again. This is the mercy of God right here. Did you ever notice that much of the time before God executes judgment, He always sends a man of God with the Word of God to warn them? Did you ever notice that throughout the Scriptures? I, I certainly uh, thought about Israel and, and how God would send men like Isaiah and Jeremiah to warn them of the judgment of God to come. Uh, be, because here's why. Because God would much rather see mankind humble himself and repent and turn back to him than to have to intervene and exercise judgment on us. You, you, you understand? The point is this. Don't misunderstand this passage tonight. God, God doesn't hate Eli. God loves Eli. God wants Eli to get right with him and to put his home in order and to get the tabernacle of God in order. Listen to me tonight. Just like God loves you, and God loves me and wants us. Listen, He loves us. He wants us to be saved. Even Jesus said that hell was not created for us. It was created for the devil and his angels. I'm telling you tonight, God wants us to be saved. God wants us to get right with Him. God wants us to walk with Him. Make no mistake, my friend, about the mercy of God. That God loves us and cares about us. But the problem is this, is that Eli didn't listen. Eli didn't let it sink into his heart and into his mind and was willing to make some changes. And, and listen, let us not make the same mistake tonight. We're not above the rules, friend. And His Word will come to pass if, we're don't, if we don't heed the warning tonight. Let me, let me give you some things about this message that this man of God had to, to Eli. And I, I want you to notice some things here. And mercy, how they're so applicable to our day in our time. Now, number one tonight, I want you to notice the problem here. Look at verse number 27. It says this, And there came a man of God unto Eli, and said unto him, Thus saith the Lord, Did I plainly appear unto, unto the house of thy father when they, were in the, when, when they were in Egypt in Pharaoh's house? And notice, it's a question. And did I choose him out of all the tribes of Israel to be my priest, to offer up mine altar, to burn incense, to wear wear an ephod before me and did I give unto the house of thy father all the offerings made by fire of the children of Israel now you understand these are rhetorical questions Eli knows the answer to but what I would say to you is this is that when God begins to correct Eli he doesn't deal with what Eli is doing first because the reality is what Eli was doing was the result of where Eli was at spiritually in his heart the inward man always determines what the outward man is doing so God begins to deal with the heart of the matter here, literally speaking. 
And here is what God confronts Eli with. And I want you to listen to this tonight. In his pride, Eli had come to a place where he viewed the goodness and the blessings of God on his life as a right instead of a privilege. Let let me say that again. Eli had come to a place in his life in his pride where he viewed the goodness and the blessings of God that were on his life as a right instead of a privilege. You you understand what a privilege is? I I love Webster's 1828 Dictionary. It, It defines a privilege as this, a benefit or an advantage enjoyed by a person, a company, or society beyond the common advantages of other citizens. In other words, it's this, it is favor. It is, listen, it is not a right, rather it's something not deserved. Did you catch that? I want you to look at verse number 27 again. You understand, God asked this question to Eli, did I plainly appear to thy father when they were in Egypt in Pharaoh's house? As the high priest, Eli, you understand he was a descendant of Aaron, uh, the high priest. Moses, most likely his great, great, great uncle, something along the, those lines. But it wasn't, listen, but it wasn't Moses and Aaron that delivered Israel out of the bondage of Egypt. It was Moses. Moses said this time and time again that Israel was brought out by the high hand of the Almighty God. You understand, it was God that answered their prayer. It was God that called Moses. It was God that killed all the firstborn in Egypt. It was God that parted the Red Sea. And God didn't do these things because the people of Israel were so wonderful and great and deserved it. He did it because He loved them and His mercy endureth forever. Please listen to this tonight. Notice also verse number 28. And did I choose him out of all the tribes of Israel to be my priest, to offer upon mine altar, to burn incense, to wear an ephod before me? And did I give unto the house of thy father all the offerings made by fire of the children of Israel? See, God is the one who chose Aaron and the Levites out of all the tribes of Israel to be his priests. They were to serve him in the tabernacle. They were to burn incense upon him or unto him. They, they, were, to, they were to lead the people in the worship of God. They were to wear the ephod and and lead the people in the judgment and direction of God. And as they'd done all of this, God would meet their needs through the sacrifices of His people. You know what God was telling Eli? God was saying this, everything that you have in your life is not a right, it's a privilege. Everything, God had blessed him. God had brought His people out of Egypt. God had given him this place of office and this place of service. Listen to me. It wasn't something he deserved. It wasn't something he earned. It was a privilege that, that the, and the grace and the goodness of God on his life. And what I'm saying to you tonight is these same truths still apply to you and me. Listen to me tonight. It's a privilege to be saved. I mean, that's... that's the first questions that, that, that God asked Eli right here, these rhetorical questions about, uh, about, about him, you know, delivering his people out of the land, out of the bondage, that, that's a picture of salvation. Just as God brought Israel out of their bondage in Egypt, God delivers us out of the bondage of sin when we come to Jesus Christ by faith. And trust in Him and repentance and faith. But please understand this, that's not a right. That's a privilege. Listen, the only right you and I have tonight of anything is this, hell. (laughs) The air can go out of the room, but I'm telling you the truth tonight. The only right, well, preacher, I got my right. Yeah, the only right you got is hell for all eternity. That's the only thing, that's what you deserve. That's what I deserve. You you understand, friend, that's what we deserve. Listen to this tonight. It's a privilege to be born in America. It's a privilege to freely hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's a privilege to know that God providentially worked in my life to bring me to a place of salvation in Him. Listen to me tonight. I didn't find Him. He found me. You understand? And, and, and again, this isn't my right. This is the grace and the goodness of God on my life. What I deserve tonight is hell, but praise God. 
for his goodness and his mercy, I don't have to go there. I, can, I get to spend eternity with him. That's a, that's a blessing tonight. Listen, that, that's a blessing. That's a, that's a privilege. Let me, let me help you with this tonight. Service is a privilege. You, like God was dealing with Eli. Listen, I don't deserve to pastor Faith Baptist Church. I don't sit back there in, in, in Brother E.J. Watson's office and go, man, I so deserve to be here. I don't deserve any of that. Listen, praise God. I'm thankful I get to. Do you know why? Here's why. Because God's allowed me to. Because God's blessed me and God's called me and God's placed me here. You, you understand? If you're on staff tonight, our, our staff guys and their family, you need to listen to this tonight. You don't deserve that position. You don't. You don't deserve that. It's not your right. It, it's, it's the grace of God. It's the same way if you're a deacon in this church or a trustee in this church or a Sunday school teacher in this church or a bus worker in this church or whatever you are doing in the house of the Lord. If you serve God, listen, you get to serve God. It's not you deserve to serve God. It's a privilege, friend. The point is this. If we change our hearts about that and view things in that light, I think this, it changed a lot about how we do things. My friend, you listen, you, if you're cleaning toilets and you start thinking about how you don't deserve to clean toilets the, instead of being mad that you're cleaning toilets because you feel like you don't deserve to clean toilets, you might start enjoying cleaning toilets. And I clean them. I get them ready for Wednesday night. I have to tell the LTR client, don't use the bathrooms up here. That's pretty clean. Amen. That's, amen. You realized how much you don't deserve to teach that Sunday school class. You'd probably start studying for the lesson all week and praying over it instead of cramming for it on Saturday night and being spiritually unprepared on Sunday mornings. You realize how much we don't deserve church like this where we have a nice building and where the Word of God is consistently preached on a daily basis. I'm going to tell you something tonight. If you'd realize that, you'd be thankful for it. I'll tell you, we don't deserve this tonight. You, you, listen, we'd stop complaining about everything under the sun. And by the way, I'm not your complaint box. We don't have one of those. Just be quiet. Listen, and here's the thing, and we'd be grateful for it. And we'd come when the house of God, when the doors are open. Do you know what Eli, listen to this. Do you know what Eli's name means? It literally means this, lofty. Lofty. And this is what, this, this is what you got to understand tonight. Though it was meant to describe his position as high priest, it really came to describe his heart towards God. Lofty. In his pride, Eli had become ungrateful. He'd become unthankful for what God had done in his life and where God had put him in his life. And the sad part is, this same attitude was magnified in the lives of his children. You see, God opens up by dealing with the very root of it all in Eli's life and says, this is the problem. You're viewing my blessings, my calling, my grace, my goodness in your life as something that you deserve rather than seeing it as my blessings on you and that you don't deserve it. It's a privilege. Listen to me tonight. We need to change the way we're thinking about some things. Did you get this? I'm telling you, we don't deserve anything tonight. But praise God for the blessings and the goodness and the privileges that God gives His children. Now let me show you what happens here. Look at verse number 29. It says, Wherefore, wherefore, now note, so notice the word wherefore. It's, it's a response here. He says, kick ye, Wherefore, kick ye at my sacrifice, and at mine offering which I have commanded in my habitation and honorest thy sons above me to make yourselves fat with the chiefest of all the offerings of Israel, my people. So really what I would say to you is this, is that this is, this is the progress where the first two verses address the problem. This shows us the progress here. And, I, and as already mentioned, now let, me, let me just explain this. As already mentioned, the first two verses deal with the inner character of Eli, where he was at in his heart, how he was perceiving the goodness and the blessings of God on his life. And, and here's the thing, the inner man directly impacts what the outer man is doing. So you understand, as a result of Eli's pride, and thinking that he deserved to be where he was at, 
then it was only natural that this would progress into how he began to treat the things of God in his life. And so that's what God's doing here. He's showing this, that this man of God, giving him, thus saith the Lord, and saying, this is where your heart is at, and wherefore, or as a result of this, this is what you're doing uh, in your life. And, and, and notice what he says here. He says, you, can, you are kicking at my sacrifice and mine offering which I've commanded in my habitation, and honorest thy sons above me. The word kick right here, listen to this, it means this, to trample upon. In other words, Eli had placed his calling and the office that God had given him under his feet, while at the same time exalting his own sons above God. They were abusing the things of God and getting the fat off the sacrifices when his sons should have been removed from office and the things of God honored in, their, in, in his life. Eli gives us a picture, listen to this, of what happens when we view the blessings of God as a right rather than God's grace and favor on our lives. Listen to this tonight. You know what happened? Ultimately, here's what happened. He made an idol out of his children. Now, I know we'd never do this in our day and time. The truth of the matter is you see that in the attitude of parents all the time. See, this is what happens. Why don't you listen to this? They become unthankful for what God has done in their lives. And then pretty soon they start going through the motions of things and drifting spiritually. And then God doesn't seem as important to them as He once was. And so in turn, they start preferring their kids over God. They'll let them play baseball or football or some sport on Wednesday nights or Sundays. They'll let them do some secular activity instead of being in church when they need to be. They will let their kids make the decisions in the home. Well, you know, if little Johnny doesn't want to come to church, then they don't have to. And I'm thinking, that's the dumbest thing I have ever heard. Let me help you with this. Last time I checked, my kids live under my roof. And, and that means this, they're going to obey my rules. And, and you understand, it is a privilege that they have a home. It's not a right. It's a privilege. It's a privilege. Listen to this. It's a privilege that they have a daddy and a mama who loves the Lord. And so therefore, they don't get a choice in deciding whether or not to come to the house of God. Yeah, you know, well, preacher, I don't, I don't want to be mean. That's, that's not being mean. That's called being a parent. And the last thing your kids need is another buddy. What they need is a parent. You know, I, listen, I, I can remember when my son, uh, Luke, was coming up, and he played football every year when we were living in Cassville. And, they, and I was very grateful. They had practices on, uh, on, they didn't have practices on Wednesday nights, and they didn't play games on, on Sunday. But I also know this that every October we had a fall revival just like we have a fall revival. And so I would t sit Luke down and I'd say, now listen, we're going to have fall revival and you're going to be in church uh, on those nights that you have practice. So I'm going to come and get you early and you need to be ready and we're going to go to the house of the Lord. And so, and I told his coaches that and Luke told his coaches that. So I would, you know, Tuesday night, uh, 6.30, I'd, I'd come to the practice field and uh, I'd, I'd holler at him, and he'd come over, and it was hilarious driving from practice to church and watching Luke roll around in the back seat trying to get his pads off and his church clothes on. <laughs> why, why, why do you do that? For, why, why be so narrow-minded? Well, here's why. Look at the results. Look at, look, look, listen, Eli's kids were wicked. They were lost. Well, here's why. Because he restrained them not. He didn't rebuke them. He didn't teach them to honor the things of God. He taught them to trample on them. You know what I was teaching my son every time I picked him up for church? The things of God are the most important things in your life. Why don't we teach our kids that? Why don't we teach them that the house of God is not a playground? You want to run around and be rambunctious, go to the nursery or go to the gym or go outside and play in the road. Now, you know I'm just kidding, sort of. 
Why don't we have respect for the things of God and not trample them? Is anybody getting what I'm saying to you tonight? You understand? Listen, we need, listen, the things of God are the most important things in our life. That's the difference. But, but that, uh, that, 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 that's, I'm just telling you. But at the same time, you know why I did that as his parent? Here's why. Because I hadn't got over what God did in my life. And Eli had. Let me tell you the second thing. He also made an idol out of himself. You, you, what, what, what do you mean by that? Well, think about this. So God deals with his children and, and much, and you're going to see it later on. But here's, here's the point. Children also means legacy. And the reason, listen, one of the big reasons I believe as to why Eli didn't pull his sons out of the office as, as he tried to correct them in the previous verses is here's why. Because he was concerned with his own legacy. He was more concerned with his own name being honored than he was with God's name being honored. And again, friend, listen, it's, it's, it's the same with us. Uh, listen, we, we become ungrateful. We, we get over the goodness and the grace of God in our lives. And, and, and we drift away from God. And so here's what happens. If it's not our kids that we make an idol out of, it's money, it's job. It's material things that we begin to live for, trying to establish some kind of legacy or, or some kind of name. Listen, I'm, I'm, I'm just telling you, all of the, all, while at the same time, the things of God are trampled on while we focus on getting ourselves exalted in the temporal world. How true this is. And here's, listen, and here's the end of all of this. We're moving kind of through here quickly, but look at this. Look at, look, look, listen, the bottom line is this. This is the product. So you got the problem. You got how it progresses uh, into Eli's life. And then here's the end result. The bottom line is this. God's judgment is coming. His hand of chastisement is going to engage itself soon. God, listen to this. God cares too much about his people, his priests, his worship, to leave Eli and his house where it's at. Just like God cares too much about us. To leave us where we're at. I'm telling you, so here's what God says to Eli. Look at, look at, look at verse number 30. So it says, wherefore. So again, another wherefore. So it's switching gears here. And it says, so this is the end result. This is what's going to be produced in the life of Eli. Wherefore the Lord God of Israel saith, I said indeed that thy house and the House of thy father should walk before me forever. But now, so it's going to change. The Lord saith, be it far from me, for them that honor me I will honor, and they that despise me shall be lightly esteemed. So what God's saying is this, is that this was the plan that I had for the house of Aaron and my high priest. They were going to serve me forever, but because you are at where you're at, the principle now engages itself I honor them that honor me, but those that don't honor me, well, they're going to be done away with. That's what he's saying. Though you are a high priest, judgment's falling on your house. Look at what he says in verse 31. Behold, the days come that I will cut off thine arm and the arm of thy father's house, that there shall not be an old man in thine house. And, and thou shalt see an enemy in my habitation in all the wealth which God shall give Israel, and there shall not be an old man in thine house forever. Look at verse 33. And the man of thine whom I shall not cut off from mine altars shall be to consume thine eyes and to grieve thine heart, and all the increase of thine house shall die in the flower of their age. You know what he's saying? Listen to what he's, here's what he's saying. The legacy that you're living for is not going to happen. It's not going to happen. Your boy, I'm just telling you, it's not going to happen. Your sons are going to be judged. We're going to deal with that in the next verse. But you're not going to watch old men grow up in your house. It's not the, the, the priesthood of, of Eli's house is not going to continue. It's over. You're not going to have that legacy. Now, here's how that translates to me and you. When you make temporal things your God and you live for them, get, listen to this, they're not going to satisfy you. They're not going to bring you the joy that you think that they are. You, you will, listen, listen, you will be absolutely miserable. Why, why? Because really what your soul longs for can only be found in Him. I remember 
years and years ago, I was a kid, and uh, my my dad growing up was a bass fishing maniac, and and I remember one of his fishing buddies, and uh, it was just kind of a distant uh, friend of his, and and I just kind of knew him through some uh, different different people, and and my dad as as well. He he won the Florida lottery. Whew. All this money. And, and I remember finding out, and, I, and, and I, my dad had eventually uh, went fishing with him after he had won the lottery and asked him how he was doing, and this was what he said, not good. And he began to talk to my dad about how his wife was divorcing him and things were a mess over finances and all this, this other stuff. And he, and he said this, he said, that lottery was the worst thing that ever happened to me. Do you know this, that, that, that divorce statistics are staggering when people win the lottery? Do you, you, know, you ever wonder why? It's because, it's because people are seeking, what, what people are seeking after, really that can only be found in Him. The answer is not more money. The answer is not a better job. The answer is not a bigger house. The answer is not a cooler car. You know what the answer is? It's to get right with God. That's what the answer is. And then here's the other thing. This is what else he says. Look, look at what he says in verse 34. He says, And this shall be a sign unto thee, that shall come upon thy two sons, on Hothni and Phinehas. In one day they shall die, both of them. You know what he's saying here? He's saying the legacy that you're living for is not going to happen. And the children that you idolize, they're going to be destroyed. I wrote this in, in my notes, and I want you to listen to this tonight. While Eli made an idol out of his sons, in essence, he was really sentencing his sons to death, both physically and spiritually. Let me say that again, Mom, Dad, Grandma, Grandpa, listen to this. While Eli made an idol out of his sons, in essence, he was really sentencing his sons to death, both physically and spiritually. Hophni and Phinehas would die, and they are still in hell to this day, because they had a daddy who worshipped them instead of God. Now let me give you the last thing and I'm through. Look at verse 35. And I will raise me up a faithful priest that shall do according to that which is in mine heart and in my mind and I will build him a sure house and he shall walk before mine anointed forever and it shall come to pass that everyone that is left in thine house shall come and crouch to him for a piece of silver and a morsel of bread and shall say, Put me, I pray thee, in one of the priest's offices that I may eat a piece of bread. And here's what he's saying. Listen to this. When God can't use you because you won't get right with him, he'll use somebody else in your place. Again, some of this, and I mentioned it a moment ago, it certainly applies to Jesus Christ, who is our great high priest forever and ever. Amen. But this is also talking about Samuel. Eli was the high priest. He was supposed to be the man of God for the hour. And God had already used him to give Samuel's mother great encouragement and a blessing in, in the birth of Samuel. And God wanted to keep using Eli in a mighty way. But Eli removed himself from service because of his heart condition before God. And so now what God is saying is, listen, you're going to be removed from service, and I'm going to raise up a young man that's going to, he's not going to trample my words. He's going to hold them up and honor them, and he's going to give my people my words. You want to know what the apostle said? The apostle Paul, listen to this. Here's what he said. In 1 Corinthians 9.27, he said this, But I keep under my body and bring it into subjection, lest by any means when I have preached to others, I myself should be a castaway. The word castaway right there means worthless. It means reprobate. It means useless. The point is this, is that Paul feared getting to a place where Eli was in our text. A place where God was deciding that He could no longer use Him and He was looking to use somebody else. I 
I know you're tired tonight. Man, we've had a great week of revival. But I think that that is something that every one of us ought to fear. That we would get to this place spiritually in our heart where we view the grace and the goodness and the blessings of God as something that we deserve and some kind of right rather than it really being a privilege. And then because of that, we begin to drift away from God. And we start going through the motions of things like church or revival meetings or serving or whatever the case may be. And we start trampling the things of God while we idolize and live for something else, whether it be our own children or our grandchildren or some kind of temporal materialistic thing. And then the next thing you know, it's to the place where God can no longer use you and He's looking to use somebody else. And I'm just saying to you tonight, and look, and I, I'm just going to give you my heart on this. When I was studying this yesterday, God was raking me over the coals. Because I know this, that can happen to me. And if it can happen to me, listen, I, I, I'm just telling you, it can happen to anybody else. And I'm not anybody special, but I am just saying that I am the pastor of Faith Baptist Church. And so I'm saying, if it can get to the place where I get that attitude towards the things of God, and I get over my salvation, and I start drifting spiritually, and I start just kind of going through the motions of things, and I'm living for something else in my life, I'm just telling you, I don't want it to get to the place where God takes His hand off me and He's looking for it to use somebody else for His honor and His glory. Listen to me tonight. That ought to make all of us fear tonight. To say, I don't want that to happen to me. But this is the, this is the sad thing. It never even phased Eli. And you know what I fear? Is that it's not going to phase people in this room tonight. That we're just going to go, eh, I've heard that before. When God's maybe saying this, this is your last time to hear it. And really it goes back to that root and that pride. And, and examining our own selves and saying, you know what? Have I gotten over my salvation? Have I gotten over what God's called me to do and put in my life to serve Him? And maybe I'm starting to think that it's a right <coughs> rather than looking at it as, you know what, it's a blessing to serve the Lord. Yeah. It's a blessing to be one of His children. Let me ask you something tonight. I hope and pray you don't have the heart of Eli tonight. But if you do, I'm telling you, it benefits you greatly to heed what the man of God gave him rather than to let it pass by. Let's all stand tonight.